Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, the co-founder of Divizio, that's D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com the affiliate network for companies doing good in the world. And we have got my co-host and friend, Andrea Adams-Miller, the founder of the Red Carpet Connection, joining us as well. Hello, Andrea. Good morning, good morning. How fun is this? (laughs) Finally, I'm back for at least today. We'll see what next week brings. Well, good. Well, I only see good things in your future because that's what I want. How about that? <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. So, so we're, you you're have back been home healing. today, aren't you? I, I am I'm trying today, yes. to heal. Yes. So we will send well wishes to you. And uh, please, everyone, send positive healing energy to our lovely host so that she can uh, be better and be, uh, you know, jump around, um, you know, running. We're, we want you to do running. We want you to do gymnastics now. So we want you to be that yeah, healthy. It's going to be a while. <laughs> For those who haven't heard, I had a, an abscess in my pelvis rupture causing an infection in my entire pelvic cavity, which was nasty and decided to hit my kidneys and put me into renal failure. So it's been a an interesting couple of weeks. Interesting, interesting. So those of you who uh, have ever been through that experience or have any great tips or information, please reach out to us. Um, you can, uh, Well, Gina, how, how, can, how can they reach out to you to let you know of anything or any suggestions they might have or know about some information you can read? You can send it to Gina, G-I-N-A, at Divizio.com. That's D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for that. And yes, I am at home in Ohio today. I've been gone for over 15 days, so I guess it's technically today would be the 16th day. And uh, really glad to be home. Tonight's uh, a trick-or-treat parade, which is one of the most important uh, holidays in my family. And uh, then the top holiday is Thursday night, trick-or-treat. And then I am headed um, straight to the airport after trick-or-treat and back to San Diego for an event on November 1st. So lots of travel in the air, but uh, my grandkids and trick-or-treat. Sure. Halloween, most important. <laughs> so super excited about it. Um, the last two years, my granddaughter made the front cover of the newspaper, you know, out of the thousands and thousands of children who trick or treat. Uh, we actually live in the country. So we go to my girlfriend's house and she usually gets between three to 500 trick or treaters. And there's usually anywhere from a dozen of us to like two dozen of us adults and adult children um, who are there passing out candy and, you know, looking at the kids and so forth, trick-or-treating. And so it's a big deal around here. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like so much fun. We don't have kids trick-or-treating at all in my condo anywhere. They're not allowed. 
And I miss seeing kids all dressed up. That was so much fun. Sometimes I go to a yeah, friend's house a lot just so fun. I can experience it. Well, that's why we do that, because we're not going to get any trick-or-treaters when we live out in the country. So we go down to her house on South Main Street, which is where all our um, beautiful, iconic homes are that uh, founded our city. And uh, it just has really great sidewalks and great paths and, you know, great people and community. And so it's a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Well, why don't you tell everybody about our fantastic guest who's joining us today? Well, I had the pleasure of hanging out with her this weekend. I've known her for a very long time. Her name is Leslie Nardini. And uh, Leslie is an um, international world speaker. She speaks on lead with style. You know, she really has this gift of showing people how to have the keys to a winning attitude, which, by the way, is the title of one of her books. Uh, she has two um, Amazon bestsellers now. And she recently became the reigning uh, crown holder, I guess I'm trying to think of a beauty pageant called the Ms. World Elite. And in this contest, uh, she not only won the overall, but she won the best uh, fitness physique um, is how I word it. I think it's called fitness um, as far as, you know, how her body is shaped and how healthy she is uh, out winning over you know, people 20 years younger than her. So super amazing. I mean, to me, that is like one of the coolest things ever, but she's way more than beauty pageant. Not that beauty pageant's not enough because that certainly is. It's a lot of work and dedication to be able to pull that off and all the categories to be able to be the overall winner means that she really wins in my eyes in every category in order to achieve that role. But she also has worked uh, corporately and with business owners about helping them find a clear path to really improve their businesses and what they do. Um, she's just absolutely amazing. So I'd love to just go ahead and get her on because people will be very pleased. She had an event this last weekend, Lead with Style, that I had the pleasure of speaking at. And, you know, she, I suppose I should say this. Okay, so she's had 30 years uh, working with the public, um, you know, hospitality, fitness, Um, she's completed the Anthony Robbins Mastery University a Landmark Education Series. She's certified as a Jack Canfield trainer. She's a certified NLP coach, and and she's given more than a thousand speeches and more than twenty more than twenty five thousand people. I um, mean, and she's worked for you know major Fortune five hundred companies as far as going in and being a seminar leader or a keynote speaker. So I realized I needed to say those things before we brought her on. So please, let's. So she's just a little bit. Bit of an underachiever then, right, Andrea? Just a little, just a tiny bit. <laughs> well, Leslie, welcome, welcome to Leverage Masters, and great to meet you. Thank you, Tina and Andrea. Thank you for that very nice uh, introduction. I appreciate You're that. You're very welcome. Well, you know, it's really easy to introduce people when they've got a lot of pretty nice uh, accolades already. It's not like I, oh, not like I had to make anything up there. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and more, more like, what did I have to cut out so that I could like actually interview you on the oh. show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too funny. So, well, Andy, yeah. I'll let you so get Gina, us started. I'll jump in a little later. Oh, perfect. So, uh, Gina hasn't had the pleasure to know you, Leslie, as well as many of our audience members. So, you know, how do you want people to see you, um, you know, when you are talking to people and you show up in the world? What's most important to you? You know, that's a great question. I think the thing that I've worked on the most 
in just, you know, working on myself, it's a, which is, by the way, I think is a never ending process. And so I think the thing that I worked on the most is being authentic, being the, the truest, most comfortable and confident version of myself. And as I have, you know, worked on that and developed that in myself, it's given me a lot of freedom. And I think the biggest freedom is the, the free of having concerns about what do other people think. And I think that, you know, that's a common thing that we all deal with. I think kind of, it's part of, it's part, you know, it's a human nature thing. We, because we are, as humans, we need connection with other people. And then the part of that process is how do other people see me? Because I want to be loved and accepted. And that's a part of our, and so as we grow as individuals to be, you know, our true selves and confident and it's, it's less about what other people think of me and more about what can I contribute to others. And so as I've done all this work, <laughs> honestly, I think all that list of things has been a result of the fact that I've just worked really, really hard to overcome my um, insecurities and demons from the past. And in that process, I, you know, I've seen a few things along the way in that process as well, but I just have come to realize that's just how, that's the process of life. You know, it's ups and downs and growth and figuring out who we are. And um, I absolutely don't have it all figured out, but I've figured out a couple things along the way. (laughs) (laughs) You attracted such a great group of people, both men and women, who were really, you know, who already are doing amazing things. So, and then they're looking to see, you know, like, what can I do more? How can I show up in the world differently? And so that was really nice. So can you give us an idea of where all your audience members came from? Like through what um, outreaches, you know, did you um, find these people who found you? Yeah, you know what I found in the, have found in the process of especially marketing my live seminars is there is no substitute for face-to-face meeting people. So, you know, online marketing has its place, um, but it's just my experience has been it's not as effective as just meeting people face-to-face. So I have attended, feels like hundreds of networking events, and I've been all over the country with networking as well. I do... Uh, in some of the networking events, I, I have a one minute to present myself, and sometimes I have five minutes, and sometimes I have 20 minutes to present myself. And each time, though, you know, just having, again, developed some skills on how to present myself in a certain way, I've had feedback from people that they say, oh, wow, very impressive. I want to work with you. And that's actually a very nice compliment to have. And so it's, that's really ultimately what I'm my, my goal is to teach other people that as well, to present yourself in a way that, yes, you know, the exterior packaging absolutely does matter because that's people's first impression of what's underneath that. Do you have the self-confidence and belief in yourself to present yourself with confidence so that you can connect with people and uplift other people and it all, you know, it all goes together. So, um, so when I go to these networking events, I, um, you know, just learn how to work those networking events in a way as well that I make connections with people, and then they uh, want to come to the seminar to learn more about how can I present myself with, you know, a lot of confidence and authenticity. 
Well, I love that, and I, I certainly um, find that for myself that that I, you know, being gone that 15 days, I had multiple, multiple events that I had gone to. And, in fact, I think I was at an event every day, one day, two events, except for uh, the two days of travel. And uh, two, I had two days off and uh, mm-hmm. where I had to get things done. And I think on the, well, those those days I had radio shows, so I was still showing up in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I, I, I was a guest at a networking meeting and so I, I flew over to um, Vegas from San Diego and then had to be right back in San Diego for the next morning so I was only in Vegas for like five hours and mm-hmm. I met a gentleman there who was supposed to learn everything about me and then present mm-hmm. me to the audience and so we're talking mm-hmm. and so forth and then he says wait I don't know your name and I said oh I always mm-hmm. do that I always forget to tell people what my name is and he said why you think you're some kind of personality or something and I giggled and I said well actually now now that you say that I I kind of am and he's like uh you know he and he looks at me like yeah okay you know and and, and he said like yeah okay and I said really I said I I just show up at a lot of places people know me I'm very charismatic I have a, a very healthy Rolodex of people that I not only know but I have relationships with and business and I'm friends with and he's like oh, okay yeah and so you know and he just kind of poo-pooed me not rudely but you know <laughs> it was funny That's so then we're funny. talking more and more and then all of a sudden he goes oh my gosh oh my gosh and I'm like what and he's like I know you and I'm like what <laughs> and he goes we met we met at traffic and conversion and I said, no, you were not at traffic and conversion this year. I would have remembered you because I take pictures of everybody I meet now with, as a selfie with them so I don't forget who they are. And he said, no, it wasn't this year. It was last year. And I said, ah, last year in March, I hadn't started that yet. And I said, and so there are people I forget that I meet. And he said, you were at my booth for over an hour. I remember you because we, we tonight while we were laughing, all of a sudden I remembered, oh, how much fun we had at my booth. You're the lady in red. And I said, well, the giveaway could be that I'm wearing red right now. And we started laughing. And then, you know, we went on and, you know, and he introduced me then later. And then later as we were getting ready to leave and I was doing keep smiling shots, I said, oh, by the way. And he said, what? And I said, so I I guess I was kind of right, huh? People do know me. And he was like, ah. (laughs) It was just really funny. funny, But it's because I show up. It's just about showing up. and. And, you, you, and showing up in person is really important. And I also want to express, because Gina doesn't always get to get out physically to places anymore, but Gina mm-hmm. shows up in a different way where she shows up by calling people and reaching out. And so people know who she is because she's worked with so many people. So there are various mm-hmm. ways for, for people who are in business where they are, you know, either um, – you know, have a disability or something where it's keeping them in um, or mm-hmm. something else, you know, they show up in the world. And so part of Gina's is her divisio and her consulting business. And part of it is this radio show. So, um, and then of course the physical part certainly helps. Gina, do yeah, you want to type know, in it, for that? It, it yeah. does, but honestly I have not been out at a conference in well over three years, I think. And yet, yeah, I'm still connecting to new people each and every week. Not every day like I used to, but definitely every week. And my network keeps on growing, and 
people do tend to remember me. It might be a while before mm-hmm. I hear from someone again, but I just had a call yesterday with someone that I met, oh, I don't know, seven, eight months ago. Had a great conversation. Good. We had some synergy and just never got reconnected. And this week he has a need and he says, you know, I know I, who I need to talk to about this, Gina. And he picked up the phone and called me yesterday. Mm-hmm. When you show up Good. in a big way and you're memorable and you're not mm-hmm. there just talking about yourself, you're out there talking about how you can help someone else to solve their problems. It makes yeah. you that much more memorable. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Leslie, you were starting yeah. to share something as well. You know, I was just going to say that uh, I think the reason that you and I connected, Andrea, is because when we first met, it was a room full of, I think, 300 people, and you stood up and said something, and I was like, now that girl got it going on, because you just have energy about the about that you put out. Oh, so thank you. That's, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you definitely have that, and, um, and that shows with people. It can show instantly. And, again, it's like, you know what, any one of us can develop that, too. It's true. I mean, I used to be kind of a wallflower and very insecure about myself and afraid of putting myself out there for fear of criticism. That's how I grew up. And I just learned some skills from other people about how to, you know, develop that internal self-confidence. And when you do that and it's authentic and it's real, you just show up differently. You just, you really do. You stand differently. You walk differently. You can, you know, light up a room in a way that shines a light on other people. And that's, ultimately, that's what I'm up to, is showing people how to do that. You know, this morning I saw, um, a, you know, a, somebody who's a, more of an acquaintance than a friend, but somebody I know through friends, who posted something on Facebook. And the first line in her post was, sometimes I wonder what's wrong with me. And they went on to say, you know, having done a particular event and I didn't win and uh, people weren't taking selfies with me and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I had been there, so I know what that feels like. <laughs> And, um, and I, just, you know, I gave her encouragement to say, work on your internal self-confidence. And that's when, when that, that scenario will change for you because you do, when you have it internally, it, it shows externally and people react to you differently. And so walking around with this idea that, oh, there's something wrong with me and people don't like me. And when we feel that internally, then we walk differently. We show up differently. We stand differently. You know, it's just, it's just, it's all an internal game. That's what I have learned. And um, uh, that's what I'm, uh, you know, that's what I'm up to in the world is helping people to find that in themselves. Well, definitely. So, you know, um, so I've heard um, your backstory or at least parts of it. And, um, and, you know, the fact that when, um, so oh, I'm leading, so I'm going to want you to tell a little bit of your backstory and then how that you ended. Because from hearing what you, how you were treated as a child and, and the experiences that you had, that you now at, at you know, this stage in your life, you know, our, our Ms. World Elite, that to me is majorly overcoming some demons. I mean, how mm-hmm. amazing is mm-hmm. that? Because mm-hmm. showing up on stage and mm-hmm. being I mean, people critique beauty pageant people mm-hmm. for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, every wrinkle, every mole, yeah. every you know, whatever, <laughs> every hair out of place. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's true. So if you could share that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
I know some like in my early days, people would, would joke, I would jokingly say, or somebody would say, boy, you're actually paying money to be judged on purpose. Seriously. Like, do you not deal with okay. enough judgment in life <laughs> as it is? But that part aside, um, it's just, it's just the thing that I love first of all, but um, yeah, growing up, I had uh, like severe self-esteem issues and uh, was part of my story when I'm, when I'm speaking as I, Say, you know, there was, I say, a lot of chaos in my life growing up. And um, partly because we, you know, when my parents divorced, we moved around a lot. And I was always the new kid in school getting picked on. And then, you know, my, my mom struggled a lot as a single parent. She's a, she's a beautiful woman and she just struggled and left on, to my own devices a lot as a young person. And uh, so my defense mechanism was getting into fights. So I, I was tough and angry and um, I showed up that way and really did feel like nobody liked me. And then I was also that kid where, you know, through, throughout all like grade school, junior high and high school, I tried out for everything and was picked for nothing. <laughs> so that just added to that, that pile of, you know, uh, I'm a loser and nobody likes me. And so that was my self, self-image growing up. And that was my belief about myself. And then as an adult, I, you know, just a few things sparked my interest in learning how to do life differently. And I just had a determination in me that I was going to figure out how to be successful in life. And I just started to study other people who are successful. And then some, something about the, you know, the pageant world and modeling and all of that was really intriguing to me. So I gravitated towards that. I went through a modeling program myself. And in that, I learned how to uh, present myself differently. You know, they taught us how to stand up straight and to walk with grace and to how to put our packaging together. And that was, you know, part of the process for me that did something to boost my self-esteem. And then um, as I did these pageants too, it was, it was very, very difficult at the beginning because I would always be like, you know, I felt like I was dead last every single time. And that would cause me to have all this self and self doubt and, Oh, see, I knew I was a loser. Look here. I, you know, and I just, I don't know, I just kept going with it. And so studying successful people, that's part of my message also when I, in my books and in my speeches, I say, you know, you can study successful people and learn the, the rules, if you will, or the habits or the things that it takes to be successful. Because there are you know, thousands of successful people who've learned how to be successful um, ever overcoming much greater obstacles than what I had to deal with in my life. So I would look at them and say, if they can do it, I can do it. Let me figure out what they have done to have the life that they have. And when I say successful, that means all sorts of different things to a lot of people. But, um, you know, it's happiness and security and being able to have choices in what you do, uh, having great relationships, having love-filled relationships. I mean, that's what it means to me. And so – Studying other people who are successful, they successfully screwed. So what have they done? And I just started basically like copying these people. Uh, one, of the, one of the rules, if you will, one of the rules or habits that I learned along the way that is essential is to continuously be growing and working on yourself. It's a never-ending process. Just like physical fitness, it takes effort so does having a positive mindset. It takes, you know, effort. It doesn't happen by accident or magically. You have to put in the work. 
And that means, you know, reading books that feed your mind, hanging out with people that feed your mind, community service that makes a difference in the world, all those things a never ending process. And so that's one of the commitments I've made is that I'm always going to be doing something that helps me grow and stretch as a person. Is that the answer to your question, Andrea? <laughs> Uh-oh, I can't hear you. Andrea? Oh, there we are. Are you still there? I lost This is Gina. Hello. Where's Andrea? Hi, Gina. I don't know. Oh, there you are. Did you hear all of that? <laughs> I'm talking Hi. away, and then you're like, I can't hear you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, there we go. I usually mute myself so that way there's no background noise or whatever, and that's oh. exactly what I still did. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it's bad enough when the world mutes you, but when you mute yourself, <laughs> which actually, you know, that actually can be a really great uh, article is uh, when you accidentally <laughs> mute yourself in the world. Because we do that, too. I mean, I'm uh, when you were talking about being authentic, I mean, I imagine uh, I am having met some um, have had several. I have one client. Uh, she's one um, Miss Runner Up. Uh, Miss Pennsylvania, Miss Maryland, and I think Pennsylvania twice, and then maybe New Jersey mm-hmm. as well. So to be runner-up mm-hmm. three times, you know, so she's mm-hmm. so close, so close every time. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. awesome. She's got great self-esteem. So she handles it really, mm-hmm. really well, mm-hmm. uh, like you do. Mm-hmm. She's, like, happy for the mm-hmm. other person who won. Where yeah. I've met yeah. other people within that industry where, like, since as a photographer, I'm hearing behind the scenes. And there, some of the people can be so mean to other people and so mm-hmm. uh, judgmental mm-hmm. for them themselves instead of just saying oh well you know that what right time right place right shoe right dress right height whatever you know of mm-hmm. what they had going on they took it so personally um mm-hmm. t- to not succeed or not win and and part of that what i was talking about muting yourself is that when they're asked questions they have a prepared question that is like what they should say and rather what mm-hmm. than what they authentically mm-hmm. want to say Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I think that's what you know, and the, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think also like those, what I have learned is those who, you know, after putting so much of their heart and soul and effort and sometimes a lot of money into, you know, pursuing a, the goal of winning a title and then not getting it. And then those who, you know, their, maybe their reaction isn't quite so graceful, you know, that's really just a reflective reflection of where they are. And, you know, the, um, and I, listen, in my younger days when I was insecure, I kind of had bad reactions sometimes as well. And as I grew as a person and became more and more confident in who I am, it's like that belief and confidence in myself, because it was coming internally, it didn't matter as much if the judges picked me or not, right? Because mm-hmm. I knew, because I had that internal for myself and I didn't have to rely on other people validating it for me. So um, then it was easier for me to be happy for the winner because it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I now look at my pageant pursuits and, and really any other goal that I reach for. Uh, I look at that all as just an opportunity to grow and learn something about myself in the process. And I have, listen, I have, tried, I have competed in a lot of pageants and I've only won a handful of them. And so way more, quote, losses <laughs> than wins. And, and each time it was an I you know, as I matured and grew as a person, I realized that each opportunity was a, a chance for me to become stronger. 
and, you know, raising my kids, I would always tell them to when they would have, you know, failures and losses and disappointments, I would always just remind them that this is where the greatest opportunity for growth comes from. You know, what can you learn about yourself in this? How can you use this, quote, defeat to make you a better, stronger person? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, when, when you think about in school and stuff and winning and so forth that um, mm-hmm. I, I always played softball. My dad was a coach. So, you know, uh, there was – I'm not competitive, so to speak. I mean, I'm everybody's competitive to some regard. And, there, I'm, of course, I want to win. But at the same time, I was just so happy to play ball and really enjoyed it. And the only time is when, you know, you would clearly see things like, hmm, there's something going on there, you know, or whatever, but Mm -hmm. like even handling Mm -hmm. things like an umpire calling your ball or calling you out instead of, you know, Mm -hmm. I noticed that sometimes there, there would be an evening. So like, let's say someone was called out and it was awful close and maybe even the umpire was like, Hmm, maybe I wasn't so right on that. So then later when another call was so, so close, it might go the other way, you know, because we all have to have Mm -hmm. our best judgment on how to put things. And so it's not about, the person. It was never about me, whether I was safe or not safe. It was about the moment, the situation, how it fit in the scope of the whole world. You right, know, right. it's not about us. Um, but then I see in some sporting teams now with the way that they don't want their kids to fail or to lose. Um, I mean, that's important. I mean, even like when I play games with my granddaughter, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are times I want her to win a game. So she has the success mm-hmm. of knowing what it would be like to win. And then there's other times mm-hmm. where I don't even say anything about winning or losing. Like we played a game and I never even told mm-hmm. her whether she won or lost. She doesn't know the difference. All, all she knows yeah. is that we engaged in a game. And then yeah. there's times where I'm, I, I make a big deal that I won. And so that she doesn't so that she can see that mm-hmm. she's not going to win every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and as a business entrepreneur, um, you know, obviously in the pageant, there's lots of people who don't win, but in business, mm-hmm. it's the same way. People, it's how you evaluate winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So what, what would be some advice? Yeah. What, what's some advice you'd give people as far as like, you know, winning a contract or getting on stage or something like that, whether they get it or somebody else does. Hmm. You know, I think, again, it's like pursuing – well, okay, so in, over the weekend in the seminar, one of the modules that we talked about is the importance of goal setting. Goal setting is really, really important. So all of this that we're talking about, whether you're, you know, striving to achieve a certain level of success in your business or winning a contract or, you know, winning a pageant title or, you know, winning at golf with your friends or whatever it is, a goal, right? Goals are essential to thriving in life, essential, because it gives us something to shoot for. And so in business, you know, whatever it is you're shooting for, sometimes you're going to hit the target and sometimes you won't. And every single time, whether you reach the goal or not, always look at that experience as what can I learn from this? And especially if it's a big defeat and a big disappointment, okay, what can I learn from this? Because then you still take something from it. And being an entrepreneur is really um, a lot of work. It can be very difficult. It can be very humbling. <laughs> and I honestly think that my, my pageant experiences have helped me to be <laughs> an entrepreneur because I lost 
and again, I put the word loss in, in quotation marks because, you know, I learned from Tony Robbins that there is no such thing as failure as long as you learn something. So I took in all my, taken all my losses and defeats as just great learning experiences. And so if you can approach business that way and realize you're not going to win every single time, and then when you have the disappointments and defeats, to learn something from it so that you can move forward and improve for the next, the next round. I also think that the most successful people in life are those who, who are determined and they keep going no matter what, and they, they understand that you don't win every single time. Um, I think also it's important, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's really important to have support, to learn from other people, learn from other people's mistakes, and get that support when you feel discouraged and you, like you want to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly is. All of those things, um, yeah, all of those things matter. Well, well, in, in situations even, you know, from business to um, like with Gina and her health, you know, for her to persevere and to be very positive, you know, uh, regardless of what the situation is, she's overcome major, major things and has still always been there and showed up for her clients. And so, you know, mm-hmm. her her being sick has never held her back from following through to do things. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. is you know, something that so many people cannot say because they, you know, mm-hmm. lay down and don't do things all the time. So it's it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yeah. I wanted to also uh, talk about, you know, just some other little things that are fun because you had shared um, about the Tada list. So mm-hmm. um, that originally, I think, came from Larry Broughton. I learned it from Larry Broughton, yeah. Yeah. So tell tell us more about that cuz I think it's fun for people to hear about that. Yeah, so uh the way Larry described it is the word tada like as in, you know, tada, look what I did, you know. Uh like a magician, you know, look look what I created. So that's where the the phrase came from and uh he said that uh, about 10ish years ago or so that his life was really not working well and he felt like a, a real failure and and he felt like everything was falling apart. And then he started creating some morning and evening rituals that helped him to get his life back on track. And he said one of the things, now he does several things, but one of the things that helped him the most, what he called the Tada list, at the end of the day, right before going to sleep, he, would, he had a notepad by his bed on the nightstand, and he would write down five things that went well that day. And so what that did is it helped him redirect his thinking to focus on what was working in his life instead of being so focused on what was not working in his life. Whatever we focus on as human beings, just the way our the way our mind and energy works is whatever we focus on the most is what we tend to drive towards and then multiply in our lives. So if you're constantly focused on fear and doubt and what's not working in your life, guess what then multiplies is the fear and the doubt and the, you know, the failures. And so Mm -hmm. he then started focusing more on what was working in his life. And he said at first it was hard for him to come up that list because he had been so focused on what was falling apart in his life, but he just forced himself every single day to write down five things that went well that day. Even if it was just, I made my bed, I brushed my teeth, you know, (laughs) any little small accomplishment. And then he also said that before he started doing this, he was having trouble sleeping at night because he was so anxious about, you know, what was going on in his life and the failures. So when you're already 
feeling like a failure, you're already feeling, you know, like your life is not working and you're not sleeping on top of it, when you're not getting proper rest, your body just doesn't function well. And so he said it was just this horrible, vicious cycle. And when he started doing this one little thing, he was starting to sleep more peacefully because his mind right before sleeping was focused on good things. And then his Mm -hmm. mind could calm down. And whatever we Mm -hmm. think about, there's some studies proving that whatever thoughts you have right before you go to sleep at night, your subconscious mind will work on that. So be mindful and conscientious and, and intentional about what information you take in just before you go to sleep, because that's what your subconscious mind is going to be working on while you sleep. So he, by, by focusing on things that were going well in his life, then at night his mind would calm down and notice and um, multiply the things that were working well in his life. And that one thing started to take him into a different direction where he started seeing successes in his life. Then he was focused on that, and therefore that started to multiply in his life. And now 10 years later, he has a thriving hotel business. He is on, he does keynote speaking. He is on television quite a bit. Uh, one of the shows that he makes a guest appearance on is called Hotel Impossible. And he, you know, like regularly comes on there as a guest. And uh, he said, he really said he credits this one little habit as being instrumental in turning his life around and going in a different direction. Then he in addition to the tada list at night, he also does a morning ritual where he, without fail, nothing gets in the way of it. He gets up, and the first thing he does is, and I can honestly can't remember the exact order that he does this in, but he does some um, journaling to write down his intentions for the day, and he reads some, you know, some books that put positive information into his head, and he does like a, just a little bit of exercise to get his blood pumping, and then he drinks a green smoothie or something like that. I remember him telling his morning routine that starts his day strong so that he is more in control of his day. So I started doing those things after listening to him, and it's made a huge difference for me. I mean, the last, the last I was sharing with you and, and the group that the last three, four months of my life have been really, really challenging, some big life challenges, including, you know, moving across the country, which is one of the major, even if it's, I mean, we're moving and it's a happy thing we're moving, but still moving is a very difficult thing to go through. Um, so moving, job loss. Um, my brother died, um, cancer scare. I mean, lots of big, big challenges for me in the last three, four months. And I can say with all honesty, the reason that I have been navigating these rough waters pretty, um, I wouldn't say easily, but it's been okay, right? I'm handling it all pretty well because I have developed some of these habits. And so that's what I like to share with people as well. You know, you have control over how you react to events in your life. Very much so. Um, I'm actually glad that you mentioned him. I I met Larry Broughton. Uh, I've probably known him for maybe 11 years, and I haven't mm-hmm. thought of him uh, for a couple years. And I actually mm-hmm. have a client that I need to connect them together. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot that Larry did so much with the hotels and so forth. That would be a very, very mm-hmm. good connection. And that's one of the mm-hmm. things, too, is just in conversation with people or those of you who are listening to the show, if you hear of people that you know, like, oh, gosh, I, I need somebody for that. I should call Gina Gaudio Grace. Then, uh, yeah, please do. Or, oh, Leslie could help with blah, blah, blah. Please call Leslie Nardini. Mm-hmm. Or who's this Larry Broughton guy? You know, get a hold of you know, me, mm-hmm. Andre Adams Miller, and, and 
or one of us and we'll connect you to him or, you know, oh, Andre is doing blah, blah, blah. I, I, I can, you know, connect Andre to, and even if it's not us directly that will benefit, but it's somebody that we know or a service that we're all connectors and it's in the connection that makes life work for all of us. That's part of that flow of hearing things. So when you're hearing conversations, a lot of times I call it accidental learning. So when I speak mm-hmm. from stage or when I'm teaching, some things are poignant, but a lot of my students, in fact, I even had students in the very first couple of classes um, say to each other, like they would complain, wow, this class is way too easy. We're like, it's so whatever, you know, lame. It's so easy. It's fun. She's funny, but we don't really learn anything. And then um, as the time would go on, then I would say, okay, well, I'm blah, blah, blah. I shared blah, blah, blah. What did you get from that? And then how can you apply that to your life? And so they didn't realize that in telling them stories, I was creating Mm. an opportunity Mm -hmm. for them to hear a problem, create a solution, and then basically seeding them the entire time with ways to conquer what it was that they were doing in their life, whether it was a marriage and family class or a um, sexually violent crime investigation class or an industrial organizational class. I was like, I taught a whole bunch of different, 13 different topics um, in eight different departments. So, I mean, it was just very interesting that, and then, and then it's funny because now years later, the students are like, oh my gosh, I learned so much from you, but they didn't realize Mm -hmm. that. And that's what people don't realize when you're listening to audio tapes or when you're listening to, which I know you're a proponent of. um, And then when you're listening to radio, what people are talking about, you might think in the moment, it's just conversation. There is something Mm -hmm. more for you if you're open Mm -hmm. to the listening. Yeah. Yep. And it may be things like that we it. don't even know that we're portraying. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well, and I like what you said about uh, storytelling. Uh, as a speaker, I have spent a lot of time, invested a lot of time and money learning how to be effective as a speaker. Because as a speaker, you know, if we're going to do what we're doing, we want to make sure it's effective for people so that they actually get something out of it, right? And so what I've learned mm-hmm. in that process is that one of the best ways to impact people where they will really listen is by telling stories. Because it's like yeah. bit, it's stories, it's like it comes to life instead of just saying, you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. It's like, I mean, if you think back on the last the seminar over the weekend, it's mostly me telling stories about either my experiences or other people that I've met. Say this tool, here's where I was, I use this tool, and this is how my life has changed because of it. Kind of the basic formula in storytelling. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun. It's a, a really cool way to engage people and, and to get them excited about funny things, you know, and to see how mm-hmm. they show up in the world. Uh, what are some things that nobody's ever asked you that you've always wanted to share? Hmm. 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 Gosh, that's a good question. Uh, I've not I've not thought about that. Questions that somebody that I want somebody to ask me. Yeah, or just topics maybe that you've always wanted to talk about that you've never had the platform to say, I just want to talk about this. This is something that's important to me. Well, let's see. Let me think about that for a second. Um, I mean, sometimes I feel like I talk too much about everything that's going on in my life. It's like, is there anything that I haven't (laughs) talked about? (laughs) Um, You know, now that you've said that, though, I want to just emphasize how the importance of, of 
it's just sounds it sounds super cliche to say this, but the importance of giving back. Uh, and so I will say I learned that from pageantry as well. So I wasn't really taught that growing up. I didn't, in a certain way, I had a little bit of an example of that, but we didn't do a lot of charity work and, you know, doing things for other organizations and that kind of thing. So I, I didn't really have that sort of ingrained in me at a young age. And then when I got involved with pageantry, a lot of the pageants, there's like a platform or what are you going to do with your title? Or, and, you know, how are you going to use this notoriety that you've gotten to make a difference and bring attention to things that matter to you? So um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, what? do what? Huh? <laughs> and I would do little things to kind of, you know, in the beginning, it, it almost felt like it was a fake thing. It's like, well, I'm going to go and do this appearance just so I can say that I did something with my title instead of doing it from a, you know, authentic place of wanting to give back. But the process of doing that, getting in there because it was sort of like expected of me, helped me to, to then get involved with those things in an authentic way, if that makes sense. And it so, does. yeah, so it taught me how to do that, right? And, and now that's a part of who I am as a person. Um, and it's, I think, especially if you get to a point in life, but, well, whether you are or not, or not, you know, I say, I was about to say, when you get to a certain point in life where, where life is going well and I have a really rich, full, and abundant life, I, I feel like, you know, because I have so much, I really do want to then share with other people and make other people's lives easier. So there's that desire to make a difference in the world. It is almost feels like an obligation now, for, like not not in a heavy way or a, a bad way, but it's like I feel like that's part of, you know, what I need to be doing in the world. But even if you don't have like a super abundant, ritual life, um, even when things are lean, just reaching out to help another person actually lifts me up in, in the process, lifts you up. So I would. Sometimes I say to people, you know, that are struggling, it's like, wow, what's a way to get myself out of this funk? And I'm like, you know what, go and volunteer at a, you know, soup kitchen or homeless shelter or someplace where you can lift another person up and doing that, you lift yourself up. So, in, so anyway, I guess, you know, it's just to talk about the importance of doing that in some way, shape or form and any, every single time I do it, my life is enriched. And even if it's just like donate, like when I get really, really, really busy, even just donating money to a cause that is important to you feels good to make a small difference that way. Um, and so, so one of the, that leads me to talking about, not a lot of people know this about me, but I donated one of my kidneys to my brother a few years back. He, was, uh, he had complete kidney failure. And uh, can you guys still hear me? Oh, that is a big deal. That is a really big deal. Thank you for sharing that. I've always wanted to meet somebody who's actually done that. I have a friend who donated bone marrow, but that's way different Mm -hmm. than actually, you know, especially when, um, I mean, you're a a, a pageant person and a fitness person. You're having surgery. Your your body's going to be scarred from that. You know, it's and there's a risk. And what if your kids need one? Or you know, all these crazy things come up. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, by the way, though, um, when I was, we were going through this process of getting ready for it. It's like a several month long process because you have to go through all this testing and making sure a good match and I'm not passing on some disease to him and so on and so forth. So in that process, 
um, I was in, in my own mind, there was a little part of me that's like, ooh, what is this going to mean? You know, how's my life going to change? And am I going to have to stop partying and whatever, whatever, right? All kind of silly things that went through my mind. And because <laughs> I do like to party. So <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So um, in the process of figuring this out, I was like, oh my gosh, and then I'm going to have this giant scar on my abdomen. And they say it's like a good six month recovery before you're back to full. And I thought, okay, I don't, I don't love that part of this, but seeing what he's been through for the last eight years, I can, I can certainly handle that. And it's, it's okay. It'll be fine. And then I found some information like reading a book somewhere or a magazine somewhere saying that now they can take the kidneys out for a kidney donation. They can take it out laparoscopically so that the downtime is like six weeks instead of six months. Awesome. I know. And so I went back to the doctors who were arranging all this and I said, Hey, Hey, what, you know, I want that version of it. And they were like, <laughs> the funny thing, it was when I said, I want that the laparoscopic version. And they were like, Oh, okay, we can do that. But they had never brought it up to me as an option, which I thought was kind of weird. Oh, really? Because um, the, the, yeah. the pain and recovery is so lessened. That's funny. Oh my God. Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah. they did say that, well, they did say, okay, okay, right. That's, that's an option, but we have to look at both kidneys. So they actually can only do that if they take the left kidney out and they look at both and decide which one is the, like if one's stronger or bigger or whatever, whatever, the donor keeps, the donor keeps the better kidney, basically what it is. <laughs> so it turned out that the left one was the one that was, they were going to take anyway. So they did it laparoscopically. So I had like a one inch scar and six weeks later I was back to the gym working out. So. So that all worked out too. Um, but anyway, in, in the long answer to your question is that the importance of giving back to people, doing, it can be a small thing, but whenever we do that for others, it really adds so much richness to our own lives as well as making a difference in the world. It's just so important. Well, it's interesting. And it's I want to chime in on this topic for oh, a please, Gina. Please, Gina. This is a big part of what I've taught for 20 years. Years mm -hmm. ago, back in the early 2000s, I had sold a business, which was a day trading membership site, and opened the doors mm -hmm. to my second business, which I thought was going to become an Internet ad agency. And as mm -hmm. I did that, clients started asking for something I'd never heard of. They called it joint venture traffic. And it turned out that what they really wanted was someone who could be a joint venture broker. And I inadvertently mm -hmm. became one of the first JV brokers in the Internet marketing space. While I thought that sounded like it could make tons of money, I realized mm -hmm. pretty darn quickly that just because I had someone who had a world-class product or service and another person who had a huge list and lots of traffic, they seemed like they could be put together and make great things happen, that it was no better than a crapshoot as to whether or not it was going to make money or not. So I spent two years out studying businesses that were already successful, looking for the pattern among them so that I could take that pattern and apply it to the businesses I worked with to help increase the success of their joint ventures. Well, that has become the foundation of everything I teach for the last 20 years. One mm -hmm. of the biggest, most important components was that those companies that were already really successful were companies that weren't just in it to make money. 
they really had a focus mm-hmm. on doing good in the world, making a difference mm-hmm. in some specific way, and that mm-hmm. wove through everything they did. The products mm-hmm. they sold, how they sold them, who they chose to work with, etc. And so mm-hmm. every business, doesn't matter whether it's a mom-and-pop brick-and-mortar, whether it's an online coaching business, information business, or e-commerce store, Think about mm-hmm. what can you do through business that can make a mm-hmm. bigger difference in the world mm-hmm. and how can you right. weave that through every part of life and business because it's one of the biggest leverage components you could have. So I love that you brought that up. It's a big deal, not a small thing. Mm. It is a big deal. Really. I love that too, what you just said, because I think, you know, like running – business should be the same as running and having a thriving business is the same in my opinion as having a thriving life that's full of joy and happiness and so to me they're not separate things right and so to Correct. have a life two parts of one joy filled yeah exactly right and um in yeah. fact when as you were saying that Gina it reminded me of a book that I heard about recently I haven't read it yet but it's on my list and it's called Firms of Endearment and it's focused Ooh. on companies who have that, yeah, firms of endearment. And it's, it's a book focused on companies that have that philosophy. And as a result, they're thriving businesses and the employees are happy. And, you know, it's a great, great organization to work with because they do it with purpose. I got to go find that. That sounds like a great book. Yeah. Th- it that really does make much. such a difference. And yeah. I've taken it to the level where I say, The key to really having success is in serving first and foremost, secondarily strategically monetizing. If you're out there just serving, you're more like a social worker, and social workers don't make very much money. You've got to both serve and strategically monetize and have the two parts fuel one another so that mm-hmm. the more good you do, the more money you make. The more money you make, the more good you can do. It's called that. social entrepreneurship, although today mm-hmm. social entrepreneurship isn't a buzzword like it was years ago because it's become mm-hmm. the mainstream, not the exception, which yeah. that just mm, right there in my heart. I love that. We should all yeah. do that even more. And I love what you said, too, about the importance of, you know, like, uh, to be financially successful. Um, there are a lot of people with this mindset that if I somehow I have a lot of money, that there's, that's what I'm saying. And I just say, you know, it's people who have good people with a conscience are the ones that need to have the money in their hands, not the other way around. And so making Absolutely. money as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business, is a really, really good thing. It's just making sure it's balanced with doing something that's purposeful and adds to the world instead of taking away. Yes. Absolutely. Very good. Okay, Andrea, yeah. I'll let you jump back in now. Oh, well, I was uh, noticing that we're um, getting towards the end of the hour, so we should uh, make sure that, Leslie, that huh? you share how people can get a hold of you. Yes, so the easiest way is just go to my website, 
And my name is spelled in a little bit of a unique way. Leslie is with an E-Y. So my website is L-E-S-L-E-Y-N, like Nancy, A-R-D-I-N-I.com. Now, I did, I will say, I got both both spellings of my name for my website. So if somebody accidentally puts in traditional spelling of my name, <laughs> it still comes up. So, <laughs> But it's LeslieNardini.com. Um, you can see a little bit about, you know, my, my background and what I do. There is a spot on there to connect with me, subscribe to my list. And when you do that, I have uh, what I give away as a freebie, just to say thank you for joining my community. Is I call it 21 Days to a Better Life. And it's really laying out the process we talked about earlier in this routine that make a difference in your life. It's a really like simple and not a lot of time spent in your day to take control of your day. What are you doing in the morning and what are you doing at night to bookend your day and have control and live your life intentionally? So that's my gift that I give away to people who connect with me. Well, people love gifts, so thank you so much for that. That's awesome. And then you have another event coming up in March, so people mm-hmm. who are interested in coming to your event uh, can mm-hmm. start reaching out now and finding out more about it and how to show up, get involved, uh, be a sponsor. You know, all those fun things mm-hmm. are open and yep. on the table, and um, yep. which is perfect timing because you've got just that about a month to make it perfect so um in perfect yeah. meaning however it shows up <laughs> right 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 perfectly since, well since we've already learned imperfect. that perfect is not perfect yes <laughs> um, yes, I love that. And then um, I wanted to let people know, too, that we got a picture of uh, Leslie and other people with a Keep Smiling card because it's so important to, um, you know, make sure that uh, Keep Smiling is going on in the world mm-hmm. and that everybody has a chance mm-hmm. to smile and show up. And mm-hmm. um, so we, I did do Keep Smiling <laughs> events all while I was around. And uh, Gina, um, I, I'll let you add the final touches here. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. This has been fun. And Andrea and I will be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Leslie, we've got about a minute and a half left. Anything, final words of wisdom for our listeners? Well, I want to thank you both for having me on. It's my pleasure. It's on uh, radio <laughs> to hang out with people who are doing great things in the world. So thanks for boosting my day that way. And um, as I mentioned, I do have an event next March in Los Angeles. Um, but I have people coming flying across country from New York and from Arizona and all over the place to come to it. So you don't have to come in Southern California to attend, but if you want more information about that, you can just go to my website. So thank you both for having me on today. Thanks again. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.